Hello, and welcome to the LI Law Podcast. I am your host, Zahava Schechter. The premise of this podcast is to feature issues, developments, and topics affecting the law and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. If you live or work on Long Island, this podcast on local and state legislative and judicial decisions is for you. Our guest on this 22nd episode is Town of Brookhaven Councilwoman Valerie M. Cartwright, who represents Council. District 1. Please check out the show notes for a full description of Councilwoman Cartwright's credentials and contact information. Please also keep in mind that we will not be providing legal advice to any specific questions. Councilwoman Cartwright, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Please tell our listeners about your background and how you came to run for the town of Brookhaven Council. Well, I have been practicing law uh, for approximately 16 years now. I was practicing as a full-time civil rights attorney at the time that I decided to run for office. Running for office was not something that I thought I would ever do. However, uh, the former county legislator, Vivian Valoria Fisher, asked me to run for office, and I thought about it, I prayed about it, and decided to do it, and it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. And why is that? Um, It gives me an opportunity to help my community in a different way. So as a civil rights litigator, you're making policy change, you're, you're, you're fighting for those that have been discriminated against, those that don't have a voice, and then when you win your case, you feel good because you're making case law and changing policy. It was different to actually see the people each and every day that I'm helping in my community. Um, In Council District 1 in the town of Brookhaven, which is the area I represent, we have approximately 85,000 residents. Um, I represent the areas of Stony Brook, Setauket, Port Chip Station, Terryville, um, and a number of surrounding areas. And it's great because the the issues that I deal with are quality of life issues, issues that affect people's lives each and every day. We are the closest to the people from a town of Brookhaven level. You and I met at a Swebeck event. Swebeck is the acronym for Suffolk County Women's Business Enterprise Coalition. How did you become involved in, in Swebeck? Well, one of the, I'll say, perks or advantages of being an elected official is I have the opportunity to learn about so many organizations that service my constituency as well as support them in their initiatives. Um, Swebeck is amazing because it's important that we support our um, woman-owned businesses and those entrepreneurs that step out. Um, It's one of those areas that um, we need to continue to enrich. And Swebeck has done a lot for the women entrepreneurs on Suffolk County. And do you see your role on the council as a role model for women and girls in Suffolk County? Absolutely. Um, So for for as on the town board, um, I'm one of two women. So we have seven people in the town board and our town clerk is also a woman. So if you were to watch a meeting, you'd see three ladies as well as our town attorney up there. I think it's important that we have leaders um, that are women because it teaches young people and colleagues, you know, that, that, that they can do more if they just put their mind to it. And we are at a point where we are breaking glass ceilings, um, but we can't do it alone. We need to support each other as women, and we need to have resources out there for women that choose to do those things that may not be the conventional professions. Right. And I think we also need men to support our elevation and our election so that there are both men and women who represent our residents. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And one of the things that we're working on here in the 
town of Brookhaven, at least that I know I'm pushing for, is to make sure that all of our boards, our planning boards, our board of zoning appeals, um, our town board, well, town board is an elected position, but anything that's appointed, that we're making sure that they're as diversified as possible. Okay, and you've been very active in some land use plans. I'd like to discuss those now. Lawrence Aviation Industries, Port Jefferson Station, and the 25A corridor from Stony Brook to Setauket. Please tell us about your activities in those measures. Sure. So as a a council person on the town board, um, one of our most significant uh, responsibilities is land use, planning, zoning. And um, I, I believe that it's important that the community has a say in how their community looks in the future. So when we talk about planning, I do everything that I can to make sure that we have community-based planning. So I engage the community. We have community meetings. They have the opportunity to talk about what they want to see. Many times you'll have a cross-section of the community, people that have been here for 40, 50 years. You'll have newer parents uh, moving into the area with their children. And we talk about what we'd like to see. That community-based visioning then turns into what we call a land use plan, which is something that is adopted by the town board and is something that any time an application comes in for a zone change, they would have to reference that land use plan. So I am working on two at this moment and I completed one. I completed the Lawrence Aviation land use plan and that's a super fun site in its borders Port Jefferson and Port Jefferson Station. Um, I'm working on one in Stony Brook, Setauket, uh, which is the corridor 25A through Stony Brook and Setauket, and then Port Jeff Station. I'm working on one near the Port Jefferson Long Island Railroad train station. And what is your vision for these projects? Is there anything uh, specifically which you want to see for these areas? I'll speak about the last one that I just mentioned, the Port Jeff Station uh, revitalization plan. Um, So there's been some concern in the community and I live in Port Jeff Station as well um, that there needs to be a lot of revitalization due to the vacant buildings um, vagrancy the perceived increase of crime. So we're working with a quality of life task force to deal with some of the quality of life issues. And I'm working with the landowners in that community that own near the train station to see if they're willing to help at work with the town so that way we can create what was called mixed use planning. So we would have retail on the bottom and housing on top, making it more of a walkable community, uh, making it more of a uh, community which is desirable, mm-hmm. and getting rid of some of the quality of life concerns, which I'm working on separately from the land use plan. But I realize that we have to work on both of them together so that we can actually be successful in that area. With a mixed use area, does that also increase the tax revenue because you have both commercial taxes as well as re- uh, residential based taxes? That is correct. And and also, if you ha- have vacant properties, they're paying less taxes as well. So you want to make sure that you don't have vacant properties and that you have mixed use so you have money coming into the tax base. Yes. So that's a great segue into your position on vacant homes and illegal rentals. Newsday has reported that town homeowners of zombie houses in the town of Brookhaven will be required to register with the town starting in January. And that town vote was seven to zero. Is that common or is that unusual for the board to agree unanimously on legislation? Well, it depends on what type of legislation. The board generally votes unanimously with respect to environmental issues and issues like this that clearly affect the quality of life of our constituents. 
vacant homes, blighted homes, zombie homes, whatever you'd like to call it, has been an issue not only in the town of Brookhaven, um, but across the towns in the state of New York. In the town of Brookhaven, we have tackled it um, aggressively. We are pushing the banks to take on their responsibilities to keep up the homes. We are working with homeowners however we can, particularly in my district. Um, I have foreclosure um, seminars that I, you know, I, I provide and work with some um, on grievances. So that way, if people can keep their homes, we'd rather them keep their homes. If they are to lose their homes, unfortunately, um, we want to make sure that the bank steps in and does what they're supposed to do. So they would have to register with the vacant registry so that we are well aware of the fact that the home is vacant and we can keep an eye on it. If necessary, we will board the home and then put the um, amount that we've spent boarding the home on the um, uh, as a lien on the property. So that it does not become a taxpayer expense. That's correct. Okay. So let's move on to the Setauket Harbor Task Force. The town has recently moved from single to dual stoom recycling. So I have a few questions for you. How does that affect residents as well as the town? And as much as there's been a lot of coverage of China's refusal to take more of the recycling matter from the U.S., where are the recycling items from the town going? And will these items just be recycled or are they going to be thrown into the garbage after all? We have gone from single stream recycling to dual stream recycling. Um, and again, this is not something that is just a town issue. It's been happening um, across the country. And every town has been trying to work to work with what we're given, basically. At this point, we are educating the community, letting them know what needs to be recycled. I think part of the issue was that we were not recycling properly. Um, I'm proud to say that in my district, District 1, we have the best numbers as far as recycling and making, you know, when they look at the recycling materials, you know, most of the things that are in the recycling bin are appropriate, but, you know, many people do wishful recycling. They throw in a pizza box um, and it has cheese and, 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 and the wrappers. So it, it's important that we recycle properly. So education is key. Uh, one of the main concerns in the community is glass. They are no longer able to, we're not recycling the glass. We're reusing the glass to the best of our ability. So we are using some of the glass on, on to cover our landfill. We are also shipping it out to another state where they are recycling. However, everyone's having this issue with respect to glass. What I've tried to do to accommodate my community is make sure that there are an, enough recycling, glass recycling bins in my council district so that it makes it as convenient as possible but we all know that it's going to be inconvenient because that's not what the community is used to the community is used to being able to put everything together including their glass and it's something that we hope will have will change soon the town of Brookhaven has a recycling advisory committee mm -hmm. um, it's something that I pushed for once the recycling changes occurred I realized or actually one of the first things I realized was that the community was not involved in the process we didn't have the professionals talking to us, working with us. I believe in not reinventing the wheel, working with those that have the knowledge and the expertise to work us through difficult, challenging times. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those challenging times and issues that we need to be working with others. Um, so I'm happy to say that my colleagues supported the Recycling Advisory Committee, and they're working on different avenues with respect to recycling and also working to educate the community a little bit better. And what is the status of the Community Choice Aggregation Energy 
program by which the town would serve as a broker to sell electricity and gas at cheaper rates than LIPA to homes and businesses? Well, we actually um, most recently just had a hearing on this. So we're at the first stage. Uh, other towns are doing it, not many. And we had a public hearing most recently and it passed unanimously for us to be able to move forward. Um, so we're going through the process now and hopefully within the next year or so, um, we'll be in a better position to help decrease the bills of our constituents. That would be great. So I want to move to New York State's Department of Environmental Conservation, which has issued a consent decree concerning the Hamlet dump and measures to resolve offensive smells after residents and people who work near the massive landfill on Horse Block Road complained. The town also has to pay $150,000 for a town environmental project. What is the town doing to deal with the offensive smells from the landfill? Well, it's my understanding that at this point we are in compliance and there was a point that we were not in compliance and that is why we were um, provided a fine. Um, so whatever has been, we, we normally have a monitor, we consistently have a monitor and that's been years. As a result of the most recent non-compliance, we have to pay the fines and continue to monitor and stay in line with the standards and regulations of the DEC. I'm just wondering if there's already a problem with the landfill, what efforts is the town making to determine where to put more garbage? Meaning if there's a problem with this landfill, is there another landfill available? Oh no, we plan to close the landfill in 2024. And we are at a point where we realize that this is a regional issue um, and the town has reached out to our higher levels of government to help assist with the issue. At this point, if we do not find a solution, then we're going to, to, to have serious concerns here on Long Island. Um, right now, 2024 is what we plan to, when we plan to to close the landfill and there's no other reason why we would not close it at 2024. So there's no contingent plan? Contingency plan? I mean there's always a contingency plan um, but we, we've been capping as we go so based on our plan that we've laid out we should be closing the landfill as of 2024. There are numerous towns that bring their ashes to the, uh, to our landfill. So of course, when our landfill closes, it's not only town of Brookhaven who's being affected. So that is why we have appealed to the um, higher levels of government to assist in this regional issue. Okay, what is the town's position or perhaps your position as councilwoman concerning vaping and legalization of marijuana, recreational marijuana within town limits? Well, I think that it's been clear if you're watching the news that vaping is a serious issue and it has huge health concerns. Uh, I recommend that all children and all adults stop vaping. And we actually, um, and the town of Brookhaven, working with my council district, um, have our first vaping cessation workshop that's going to be held tomorrow. We're working with the Suffolk County Department of Health. Um, it's an alternative to suspension. So when the young people in high school get caught vaping, rather than suspending them, we're looking to teach them about how it's a hazard to their health. Um, so we will be having our first one tomorrow, Tuesday, the 29th, October 29th. As it relates to marijuana, as you know, the town has no opportunity to opt in or opt out, but I do believe in the decriminalization of marijuana, um, which the state, I believe, has been taking appropriate steps to handle. And moving on to water issues, Suffolk County, like Nassau County, has a serious problem with toxins in its water, including 1,4-Dioxane. The Suffolk County Water Authority has proposed more treatment systems, which will cost at least $75 million within the county. What is the town doing to deal with the problem of carcinogens in the town's water supply, and is there a plan for doing so? 
So when we deal with water quality, we're dealing primarily with the county coming up with various methods. And what we do is the town of Brookhaven, we add to that. For example, there's the innovative alternative systems that the county has provided grants to various homeowners within the community. Um, one of the things that we've done as a town is we've adopted new legislation that says if you live within 500 feet of the water, you must, um, if you're doing a new, new construction or obtaining a building permit for major renovations, you must. Um, implement an IA system. So that we're looking to see how we can assist the county in helping to keep our water clean. And as far as the carcinogens, I think it's important that every level of government educates the community on what they're fertilizing their grass with and what they're putting in the air that may eventually go into our aquifers. And Newsday has reported that at least one taxi service transporting town residents who qualify for Medicaid benefits has been stopped as it is not licensed to operate in the town. What is the reason for requiring taxi companies to register with the town? And is there a reason other than a revenue generating measure for the town? I, I think it's been consistent across the state of New York that when anyone's driving a taxi that they have to, you know, get a medallion and, and they're, they're vehicles need to be inspected and things of that nature. So that's not uncommon. I'm well aware of the article that you're reading from and the town has been complying with respect to the investigation. Councilwoman Cartwright, is there anything else you would like to add? I truly enjoy serving my community. Um, as we've discussed, there are a lot of um, difficult issues that we must deal with each and every day as local elected officials. Um, many of these issues are not easy issues. Uh, they take a lot of dedication and commitment and work across party line, as well as work up and down with various levels of government. I am committed to continuing to do that. Um, it has been my pleasure doing that for the past six years, and I truly believe that I'm helping to make this a better Brookhaven. Okay, well, that's it for our 22nd episode. Thank you, Councilwoman Valerie Cartwright, for coming on the podcast today. And to our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitchers, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please rate us w with a review that might start. I just heard on the LA Law podcast that early voting is occurring right now, every day through November 3rd, and is available in both Suffolk and Nassau counties in advance of the general election next Tuesday, November 5th. In fact, we are broadcasting in Brookhaven Town Hall Hall, and you could vote here at Town Hall, 1 Independence Hill, Farmingville, New York. Please go out to vote and make your voice heard. The LA Law Podcast strives to inform our listeners about everything Long Island. We are your source for local tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.